Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast. Each week, your host, Casey Haston, Director of Recruiting at VIP, will bring you valuable insights from thought leaders, introduce you to incredible companies, and bring you tips for landing your dream job from our team of executive recruiters at VIP. And now, Casey Haston. Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter, director of recruiting with VIP, and you're all around hiring guru. I have got such a treat for you guys today. I have been working on this for so long, and at the last minute, it finally worked out. So today on the show, I'd like to welcome Dan Clark, global speaker, CEO, business coach, and best-selling author. Dan teaches what he's done, who he is, and what he lives. Through the Art of Significance leadership development company, he coaches, mentors, and transforms organizations into an up-leveled culture of significant partner leaders. I am so excited to welcome Dan Clark to the show today. I just fangirled. I'm sorry. You're, you're such a, an amazing human being, and I, uh, you, you know, I love you, and I send all the admiration and respect that the planet has your way. You're awesome. I just love that... I was able to, through my association with Success North Dallas, was able to pick you up from the airport when you spoke there, and I was just like, no way. I get 30 minutes uninterrupted with Dan Clark, one of the top 10 motivational speakers in the world. Uh-huh. And and you know what was so interesting about that conversation? You would not talk about you. It was instant, instant chemistry, and I think... I think one of the greatest leadership qualities that all of us can possess is just to ask people about themselves because what it does, it through psychological reciprocity, it creates a moral obligation for eventually uh, the, 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 the tide will turn and that person feels obligated to ask you about yourself. And then we prove true that when the water in the lake goes up, all the boats rise together. So it's always best to find out about someone else first and then eventually we can kind of talk about ourselves if that's really important to them. But, I mean, you realize, you, you may not, because you probably have people fanning over you all the time. I mean, I, I saw it when you came to Success North Dallas, and I just saw it, see your little groupies following you everywhere. <laughs> but, I mean, for someone like me to have the attention of someone like you, that, that's pretty huge. And for you to sincerely ask me, who are you, and then listen. But what's so fascinating about you is you have to look at the mirror and realize that you teach the world as much as I would teach the world or anyone. We all have stories to tell. And uh, some of the greatest stories and some of the greatest life lessons that we learn come from the humble folks who just do it every day. They're not on stage bragging or trying to teach the world what they should do. They're actually teaching us that they don't just practice what they preach, they preach only what they practice, and that's you to a T, Casey, that's you to a T. You're the same off stage as you are on stage, and I think that's why why we had such instant chemistry. I love that, I love that so much, and I love that you're so receptive. So anyway, I usually ask how do we get connected, but we've kind of already covered that conversation. So tell us, who is Dan Clark? I think I'm, you know, on the outside, most people, uh, you know, we can spend as much money as we want to put every bell and whistle on the internet and 
portray ourselves in social media to be this superstar, you know, never even having, having had a pimple or having a broken heart or, or shattered dreams. And I'm exactly the opposite. Um, most of us men have been raised to believe, be a big boy, don't cry. And I was given permission at a young age to show my emotion, to wear my emotions on my sleeves and to actually speak my, my peace, speak my mind. And, and I'm 6'5", I've lost 42 pounds since I played football for 13 years, but I'm still at about 235. And no one would believe that I was bullied as a, as a little boy. No one would believe that I was told you can't do it or you're never gonna amount to a hill of beans. <clears throat> I grew up in a very amazing family. Everybody was a genius. Uh, you know, my older brother has four degrees from major universities, you know, business owner. My sister graduated from the university in fashion, merchandise, and design, so she sells real estate. <laughs> Younger brother, he's a hugely successful investment banker, and then there's me. Can you see my parents in a social setting? So what does your son Dan do? Oh, he talks. We're so freaking proud. But I was always compared to them. I don't want to throw my parents under the bus and say that I was exposed and really kind of raised with conditional love. I wish you could be more like your brother. I wish you could get straight A's in school. I wish you could do this. And none of my family members were athletes. And I, that's, that was the path I chose to get my attention and to become the best version of myself. So to answer your question, who am I? I'm just somebody who goes for it. Uh, no matter what your past has been, you have a spotless future. And uh, I've always believed that if you get knocked down seven times, you just get back up eight the part of life is the discipline of, dis, of, 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 of discomfort. You know, on purpose, we should do something on a daily basis to on purpose create discomfort because that's how we grow. Adversity introduces us to ourselves. So what you see is what you get because of the, the pain and the failures, not because of the successes or the thrill of victory. But I think that's so important that we embrace the suck, you know, oh, yeah. and that we don't, you know, and I was just um, on stage the other day and I was talking about this and something came up that was really new for me, even while I was on stage about embracing the suck. And, you know, and I was telling them that I almost to this day still identify myself as that redhead, freckle faced, awkward little girl that was also bullied when I was growing up. But now instead of letting her make the decisions for me, I make the decisions for myself and I tell her it's okay. And, you know, I understand you're trying to protect me, but I don't need you to protect me anymore. I'm not that awkward little girl. That's so cool that you separate the person from the performance just yeah. in the way you talk. And if we're not, <clears throat> if we're not failing, if, <clears throat> excuse me, if we're not failing a few times, it means we're not pushing ourselves hard enough. So, you know, if you, you remind me, you know, you're obviously beautiful and in shape. And when we go to the gym, mm -hmm. we, we create that discomfort on purpose. We, we spend a, an extra minute not just 30, but 31 minutes on the pre-core. We want to put a little more weight on the bar today than we did yesterday. Yes. On purpose, we're creating that discomfort because that's where the stretch, that's where the, the strengthening occurs past the point of discomfort. Yes. But then when we exit the gym, for some reason, we just want princess parking and a sale at every store in 90 degree weather with a breeze over our <laughs> shoulder. And that's not reality. So as soon as we can understand, using your word, that suck is part of life. Yeah. Uh, it's easy to kick, keep going. It's easy to get back up and go again. It's so easy. Well, you know, I've seen you on stage. I've, you know, lightly stalked you just a little <laughs> bit to listen to some of your other talks, but you have such a strong career in speaking. And I mean, you're just so 
ease when you get up there. And I like it. I, so there's a moment, I think, where you kind of cross over where you're like, not even, maybe even talking to the audience anymore. It's just like you get into your head and you start playing air guitar and you just start having a good time. How did you get to be so at ease and assured when you're on stage? It's just focus, focusing in on what you believe. Yeah. So, you know, I've written 37 books and one of my books is called Story 37. I, I wanted to make sure that that didn't just slip under there. And one of my books is called Story Selling, which I wrote during COVID. And another one's called Speak Like a Pro. So I actually have a coaching course called Speak Like a Pro. Everybody can join my free Facebook group, <laughs> you know, Speak Like a Pro by Dan Clark, if you're curious. But one of the things that we have to do is understand the three M's, market, excuse me, message, market, and marketing message. What would you drive five hours one way to say to somebody for free? And then the tip of the spear question is, if you had one hour to live, what would you say? And once you Ooh. quantify what you believe and why you believe it, that helps you understand who you really are. What experiences have you had in your life that have made you who you are today, understanding what you believe? The second M is market. Who would benefit from your message? And then marketing, the third M, where do they gather? College campuses and sales yes. organizations and leadership retreats, whatever the case may be. And so once you understand what you believe and you've gone back into your life, there's four areas from which we can draw our material and, and find our content that we want to share. Our life, mm -hmm. whatever you've done, transitional experiences, you know, moving from one school to the next, uh, graduating from a school, marriage, falling in love, falling out of love, divorce, whatever the transition is. Third is significant emotional events. A significant emotional event is an experience that you can actually measure and quantify how you thought, what you believed, and how you acted, how you behaved before it occurred, and how you now think differently and act differently because it occurred. So the two operative words are before and because, before and because, and we all have those. I battled throat cancer when I was eight. I was paralyzed playing football for 14 months, went to 16 doctors, 15 told me I would never recover. Uh, my dad passed away and what I learned the day that he died when I was on my way to make a speech. All these different significant emotional events. We all have them, we just have to identify them. And then the last source of material of content creation <clears throat> is the bucket list. Who do you wanna meet? Where do you wanna go? What adventure do you wanna have? I've flown into space. I've soared to the edge of space, five hours in a U-2 reconnaissance aircraft. And I've flown all the fighter jets, all the bombers. I did the air show with the Thunderbirds. I've done all these crazy things, ran the Olympic torch to create life experiences that are worth sharing with others. Now, that's the long answer to your question. Once you identify your life experiences and have quantified the life lessons that you learned that are worth sharing, that can actually help someone heal, that can actually transform form someone's life, keep them from taking their life and suicide save a marriage, save a business, build a business, whatever the case may be, then you feel so comfortable in sharing that message because you know that it affected you, it made you who you are, and that the principles of success or the lessons of resiliency that I had to go through to recover from my football paralysis can help someone else. So you feel comfortable in sharing that because you know, and I always get emotional just thinking about it. I've never missed a speech, Casey. I've been speaking full-time since 1982, 6,000 stages in 74 countries, all 50 states, millions of people, most of the Fortune 500 Super Bowl champions. I've never missed a speech and people go, why? 
It's not because I'm such a noble, responsible, integral man. Mm -hmm. It's because I know for a fact that there's at least one man and one woman in every one of my audiences who is hurting as badly as I was. And if I can share something, there's no reason to fear that that stage or fear the, 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 the fear the, 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 the public speaking that most people think they fear because you know that your message can help heal, can help someone else get back up and go again. I, I just kind of want to stop this right now and just replay everything you've just said because it I, it's so mind-blowing what you just said. And, you know, and for me, and I, I won't share the whole thing, but, you know, I think exactly what you said was right because I really stepped out of my comfort zone in that last speech that I did. And I did. I had, and I told him, I said, hey, I'm going to get vulnerable here. And I have to tell you, now that you're saying that, I understand why that was so powerful in sharing that. And I was like, why am I sharing this with these people? I don't know, you know? But it was so moving and it really made the point that I was trying to make. Yeah. So, we've heard all, all, a lot about the law of attraction. You know, one of my mentor friends, Bob Proctor, he made it famous. He illuminated it in the secret. So jealous about that. Just have to say that. But he kind of mystified it and people miss miscalculate what the law of attraction is. Bottom line, we don't attract who we want, we attract who we are. Yes. But then the question is, well, the reality is we become the average of the five people we associate with the most, yep. which means we must be willing to pay any price and travel any distance to associate with extraordinary human beings. So the question is, in order for us to attract an extraordinary human being, don't you think we must first be an extraordinary human being? And that's why you and I connected mm -hmm. because you are an extraordinary human being. Thank you. But to your point, Casey, everybody thinks that this law of attraction, energy and vibration and the frequency of energy and vibration, the law of resonance, it's real. It is real. It really re is real. But what we have to understand is that we can control that yes. real. Yes. If we understand what really attracts one person to another. And it's not love. It's not integrity. It's not service before self. It's not your beautiful million dollar smile. I'm it's just nothing waiting. other than authenticity. Yes. So if you're on stage or if you're one-on-one, -on -one, one on 10 in a boardroom, one on 200 in a corporate meeting, one on 10,000 or 20,000 in an arena, if we can be authentically vulnerable and real, people resonate with that. And as I remind my speakers in my courses, uh, you have to be ordinary before you're extraordinary. Mm. You have to connect. And people don't give a rat's, rat's wakazoodle if I've ever succeeded. They want to know, Clark, did you ever fail? Did you ever fall down? And then what did you do about it? How did you get back up and go again? And once we can understand that that's where we really connect, we can be vulnerable all day long. I shed tears all the time on stage and I'm never apologetic. It's just me. It's just living in the moment. It's just connecting with people and realizing that maybe, just maybe something that I'm saying is resonating with their heart and soul. And can I throw out something else as well? Yes. So when I, when I got paralyzed playing football, paralyzed for 14 months, 15 doctors said no way and one said yes, I need to reflect on the lessons I learned and I think that would be valuable to this conversation. Question number one I'm often asked now that I've fought my way back to 95% recovery, uh, why did I keep going to so many different doctors? And the answer is I kept going from doctor to doctor until I found one who believed I would get better. Mm. Everything begins with belief. Yep. Second most frequently asked question, why did I take so long to recover? You know, when we want to change, we, when we want to get back up and go again, when we want to recover from a divorce, when we want to recover from a loss of a loved one, loss of a job, PTS because of some traumatic experience, what we have to do is understand the significance of questions. 
I stayed paralyzed for 14 months because I was asking the wrong questions, and maybe some of your viewers are. I was asking the doctors how to get better when I should have been asking myself why. And once we answer why, figuring out the how-to becomes clear and simple. And what's so cool about this is it wasn't just a rah-rah, get-up-and-go-again resiliency, you know, recovery story. It was based in physiology because we know through medicine, through biology, that when we only when we only focus on the head, when we only focus on the how and the what, mm-hmm. we only engage the brain. But when we add to that a passionate why and a compelling want, we connect the head with the heart and our blood pumps more rapidly, our brains fire and our, and our muscles engage. And when we only engage the head, when we only talk about the how and the what, no such motivational experience occurs. So if we want to be transactional leaders where we just tell people command and control, you do it because I said so, and we're only talking about the how and the what. This is what I need you to do now. Go do it because I said so. We're missing the boat. But when we can become a transactional communicator, a transactional leader, a transaction, not a transaction, a transformational leader, a transformational parent, a transformational speaker, and connect the head and the heart, People leave us saying, I can do what they did, and I like me best when I'm with you. I want to see you again. <laughs> love it. I love it. Okay, so you mentioned your mentor, Bob Proctor, which, again, just going to say for the record, jealous. So I, just real quick, how was that? You know, it wasn't as intimate as my real mentor, who was Zig Ziglar. Oh, that's even so more Zig jealousy. Ziglar right here, a good Carrollton, Texas boy. Yes. Yeah. He took me under his wing back in 1982, sponsored me in the National Speakers Association, and personally mentored me for over 25 years in the art and science of public speaking and story selling. But because of Zig, he introduced me to Dr. Norman Vincent Peale and to Bob Proctor. And uh, as a primary contributing author to all the Chicken Soup for the Soul books, I was the first guy that Jack Canfield and Mark Victor called back in 1992 as they were launching this concept, Chicken Soup for the Soul, that's now sold almost 500 million copies. That's incredible. And as a primary contributing author, I have you know, almost 100 of my stories sprinkled through the different volumes. And they became my mentors as well, but in a roundabout, almost a residual way because associating with people that they would introduce me to, just like you do at Success North Dallas, just like our dear friend Bill Wallace does, the ultimate connector, when we are invited to participate with someone else and we listen and we ask them about themselves and pretty soon they start mentoring us. And uh, I owe my entire career to Zig, I, you know, every connection. He, he introduced me to Nancy Reagan. I took Mrs. Reagan's Just Say No program to all 50 states back in the 1980s before you were born. Between 83 and 89. You need to come see me every month. (laughs) Between 83 and 89, I spoke in thousands of schools in all 50 states to millions of teenagers. And uh, I started understanding the significance and power of words and emotion. Mm. Reason leads to conclusions, but it is emotion that leads to action. You think about that one. Back to the how and what. Yes. Knowledge is power, but it has no heart. We don't learn to know, we learn to do it. Some way we've got to get inside someone's heart and really inspire them with the why. And when their why is bigger than their why not, look out, just step out of the way and they'll fire up because an inspired person doesn't really have to be motivated. They just have to be directed and guided. And I think that's really our our calling. And I think you just really kind of answered my question because you know I work very closely with our young executives at at Success North Dallas and I have, we've created a mentorship program for them and it, how important do you believe it is for young professionals to have mentors? Yeah, 
So I participated in Tony Robbins' uh, Unleash the Power Within last November in West Palm Beach. He and I have some mutual friends, and I spent some quality one-on-one -on -one time with him. And he's you so just keep, you're just trying to make me so he, jealous, aren't you? He's so famous for saying, find a mentor, find someone who has done exactly what you want yes. to do, what you need to do. And that circumvents and shortens the learning curve. And if you can circumvent and jump over, leapfrog over so many different mistakes, the goal is not to learn from your own mistakes. Everybody says, I learn from your mistakes. No, learn from other people's mistakes. Right. And there's a reason why we find a qualified mentor. You know, there's so many people out there blowing smoke. I've spent thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars on folks who say they're social media marketing experts who understand this and that. And mm. my podcast, you know, Dan Clark, uh, Power Players with Dan Clark, and to get more views and subscriptions and downloads and blah, blah, blah. And in my experience, most of these folks, they're full of crap. <laughs> they're so full of crap, their eyes are brown, and it just ticks me off. So learning from my own faults and my own debacles, <laughs> we really need to vet the true mentors who have been there, done that, <clears throat> and who are more importantly, well, you know, willing to take us under their wing and help them. That's the way I look at my, my public speaking, my Speak Like a Pro program, give back, and being on your show, you know, you don't have to do this. This is your way of sharing what you've learned in your journey. Yeah. <clears throat> and I've had the privilege of listening to you speak. You're awesome. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, I want everybody to know the ultimate compliment that I can ever pay Casey is when you walk into a room, people stop and say, who is she and what does she do? And complimenting you on your outside beauty, obviously you're gorgeous, but it has nothing to do with that. One of the sexiest things on the planet is the intellect. It's the mind. It's our ability to articulate our feelings and our thoughts. But it's also our, 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 our sense of self, our, our self-worth, our self-esteem. It's the ambience. And in the entertainment business, <clears throat> we call it the it factor. Mm. He has it. She has it. And you can't train it. I don't think you can teach it. You either have it or you don't. And you have the it factor. Well, thank you. And we're you. so grateful that you're, that you're using it, that you've realized it's a calling for you to use this ambience, for you to use this stage presence, this natural charisma when you walk into a room. That's kind of a God-given platform where you don't necessarily need a microphone. You don't have to be engaged as the keynote speaker. You can make a difference in the audience. You can make a difference with the sad, lonely, angry person sitting next to you. And I think that's so, so critically important that people know that about you. That's why you're hosting the show. You know, I really believe it. Well, I really, really appreciate that. That was very authentic and from the heart. And I just, you know, I... People ask me all the time, they're like, why do you do this? You know, I mean, I, I don't get paid to do this. I don't make money from doing the podcast. It's really a give back to people because I get to meet some really cool people yeah. like you. And I just, I feel like, and I know your voice gets heard, but I want the people I know to hear your voice. That's right. And that's the, this is my way of sharing that. So, so this, this, you know, it's, 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 it's a reciprocating desire. I want people that I know to hear about you and to hear about everything that you're about and uh, the fascinating life that you've lived and your journal that you've written is so extraordinary in your <laughs> Thank program. You. And all the things that I hope your listeners, your viewers get a chance to know about you. Well, now see, you're doing it again. This is supposed to be your podcast, your time, and you're turning it around about me. This ah, is so exactly how the car ride went. <laughs> no, you're so good. <laughs> you know, if we don't take the time to learn about other people, you know, how shallow is our world? You know, 
if, I agree. If every bird in the forest sang the same song, it would be just so pathetic. You know, we all just need to give people a chance to go out on the limb and and realize that that amazing quote, which I would paraphrase, that the the bird is not afraid, the bird in the tree is not afraid of the branch breaking because he or she knows the strength is in the, the, the her ability to fly. Mm. You know, the strength is in her own wings and ability to fly. So let the wind blow and let the branches break and you're still going to be okay. And that's kind I of love that. A, that's kind of you to a T. It's <laughs> I an love honor that. to call you a friend, my dear. I well, and same. And I love that, you know, you're so responsive. <laughs> like if I have a question or I just need some advice, it's just like text and boom, yeah. there it is. I love it. So you have had some pretty significant setbacks. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give? And, and remember, most of our audience are job seekers. They're people yeah. that are maybe not quite aligned in their current career. So unless and they may have just got laid off. Yeah. So what advice would you give them? I would say that statistics indicate that 80%, these are national surveys, 80% of the workforce are not currently working in their dream job. Mm, yep. And then when you dive deeper into that research, into that survey, you'll realize that most people hate their jobs. They only look forward to Friday instead of Monday. They think they're paid by the hour when in reality we're paid for the value we bring to that hour. So to your specific viewers and, and those who are job seeking or want to start their own business as an entrepreneur, we have to understand that the American dream is based on what we call uh, an opportunity ladder. Okay. And it's an economic opportunity ladder only in America. And let's say that at the bottom of that ladder is $5 an hour. And at the top of that ladder, it could be $80 million in the annual salary, which is what Coca-Cola bottling company CEO makes in an annual salary. And you say, how in the world can they pay him $80 million? It's because we're not paid by the hour. If we were paid by the hour, we could just lay in bed all year long and have people send us money. But we're paid for the value we bring to that hour. So what we have to do is figure out a way to increase our value to the marketplace. So McDonald's will pay someone $5 an hour to take out the trash, with all due respect, because that's the value that they place on that person's ability to add value to their enterprise. Mm -hmm. Now that person is still a very val valuable human being, a valuable son or daughter, valuable brother or sister, valuable surely in the eyes of God. God don't make no junk. <laughs> but we're talking about value to the marketplace. Right. And we don't need legislation to say, okay, we're gonna raise the minimum uh, wage to $15 an hour. We don't have to pass legislation to do that. Why? Because $15 an hour is already on the economic opportunity income ladder. We just have to figure out a way to increase our value in the marketplace to go from $5 an hour to 15. To go from $5 an hour to $6 an hour might only require that you come to work with a smile and you're whistling yeah. a happy tune and making everybody else around, the, around you better. So can you, could you double how much you make about, how much you make an hour? Absolutely. Could you triple your value to the marketplace? Could you make $500 an hour? Could you make $80 million a, a year in annual salary? Yes. Why does Coca-Cola pay their CEO $80 million a year? Because he helps generate over a billion dollars in revenue and profits. So surely he's worth $80 million. We look at all the professional athletes. How can you pay? 
DeMar DeRozan, you know, $280 million for a five-year contract. I happen to know him. That's why I'm bringing him up. <laughs> it's because of his value to the marketplace with television contracts. And in our real world, that's asinine. That's crazy. How? But in the marketplace as a professional NBA athlete, that's what his value is as the most amazing 15-foot mid-range jump shooter, maybe even in the history of the NBA. We have to understand what we want to do, but more importantly, we have to look at ourselves in the mirror. What are our strengths? What are our weaknesses? How do we strengthen ourselves, become better today than we were yesterday to add, to make ourselves more valuable to the marketplace? Very good. That was... It really is that simple. Yeah. And it could be continuous education. Go take a class at a community college. Yep. You know, you don't necessarily have to go get a four-year degree. Do something else. Do whatever it is that is required to create more value to the marketplace. And I guarantee someone, as Zig would say, if, if you're not getting a raise, somebody else will give you one. Okay. So you mentioned earlier that you have written 37 books. Yeah. What's your favorite one? The Art of Significance, Achieving the Level Beyond Success was published by Penguin Random House. It's my flagship. It's my, uh, it's my brand. And actually, people always say, what's the difference between success and significance? And maybe this just dovetails right into our conversation about people not just wanting to start a business, not just wanting to be promoted or climb that leadership ladder in their current job, but what about those who are so disgruntled, they've got to get out of their current situation because they're going to die with their music still in them. Mm. That could relate to a personal relationship. You know, sometimes we think, you know, holding on is what makes us strong. No, sometimes it's letting go. So a great That's conversation. That's the book I'm reading right now is letting go. So a great conversation that I had with one of my old football teammates who oh. played tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, and we were talking and uh, we were reminiscing on one of our teammates who was drafted into the NFL in the second round by the Philadelphia Eagles. And after two years with the Eagles, he's traded to my Oakland Raiders. After four years in the league playing at the highest Pro Bowl status, one day he walks out of practice, quits, never to play again. Why? He loved being a football player, but he hated playing football. He loved the celebrity perks that allowed him to live this life that we call successful. Nice house, nice car, nice income, nice toys, you know, nice jewelry. But because in his inner voice and his true purpose in life was misaligned with who he was and what his calling was, bigger than you know, being part of something larger than himself, he would never live a life of significance and he would die mm. with his music still in him. So bottom line, successful people get what they think they want, focusing on what matters at the moment. But those of us who are striving to live lives of significance actually focus on what matters most, which is what lasts the longest, so we don't die with our music still in us. There's way too many people out there. Think about it, let's, let's just do the math. If you're 25 years old right now, mm -hmm. that means in 2008, when your parents lost their jobs and lost their 401k and were fired and lost everything and realized there was no loyalty in their company and their company went bankrupt or there was no future and all they were doing is hanging on for that 30 years so they could get the gold watch and then it never happened. They were eight years old at the time. And that had an emotional impact so that now that when they're 25 as a millennial, they're saying, wait a minute, I don't want to work for a company. That's why they, the average millennial stays in a job for two years. They're always looking for a different deal. But let's just reminisce. If you come for money, you will leave for money. Money can't be a motivator. Mm. In the military, we give medals to those who are willing to sacrifice themselves so that others may live. 
In the corporate construct, we give bonuses to those who are willing to sacrifice others so that they may survive. We've got it bass-ackwards. So if we can start teaching this young, new generation that it's not so much about working for a company and then worrying if they're going to let you go, it's taking charge, it's taking control, adding value, making yourself more value to the marketplace, and then taking charge of your life and your destiny and figuring out what you want to do and why you want to do it and with whom you want to do it, and together we rise. That is so, so good. We, we've got to make sure we're doing what we want to do. My buddy, he, he, he loved being a football player, but he hated what he had to do to become that superstar. So thank God he bailed for his family, for his you know, sanity. For, for sanity. Uh, well, I have our VIP questions that I wrap up with. I'm ready. Okay. And we're going to have to, I'm gonna, you got to think quick and just give me short answers. Okay. You ready? Absolutely. I'm ready. All right. Quick stretch. If you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars, what three things or people would you take with you? I would take uh, a mentor accountability partner. Okay. Who would uh, believe in my dreams and then support me in accomplishing them. I would take uh, someone who was a nutritionist who would make sure that I ate and drank the right things and exercised every day and created a cold plunge so that I can elongate my life. <laughs> and number three, I would make sure that I had 100% eternal access to my family who I love the most. Mm. That's good. That's good. Okay, what is one thing you do each morning to set your day up for success? I wake up at 5 a.m. and my feet hit the floor when my alarm goes off. Oh, good and for I you. And I immediately go downstairs. I have an awesome gym in my home because if I'm not in my gym by 5.15, I will start talking my way into saving my money for liposuction and a tummy tuck. <laughs> Exercise will not be on the radar. And because I've scheduled what podcast I'm going to listen to while I'm in the gym for an hour, pushing myself beyond the current, you know, creating discomfort on purpose that we talked about, now I'm educating and inspiring my mindset while I'm working on my body. And then when I get out of the gym, while I'm, while I'm you know, basically warming down, I go into my library, I love to read, and I've read one book a week for the last 16 and a half years, and so wow. I study and focus, and I'm kind of a doctrinal guy. I want to just focus on one topic until I've exhausted it. I don't want to just read. I want to take a topic, and it could be faith-based, it could be business-based, it could be entrepreneurial-based, it could be relationship-based, and I'm just going to focus that entire 60 minutes on diving deeper and deeper and asking more profound questions about that one topic and I do it all before 7 a.m. because back in the day I had four children one son three daughters uh, a spouse and so you have spousal responsibilities and you have parental parental responsibilities and then all of a sudden the phone starts ringing and the emails start binging on your computer yep. and that could be as easy as early as 8 a.m. So the goal is to be selfish in the morning early so you can be selfless for the rest of the day. So I've taken care of every one of my needs, every one of my desires, every one of my bucket lists. I've checked the box. I'm staying in shape. I cold plunge every morning, 47 degrees, and you're in there for 10 to 12 minutes. Changes your whole day. Removes your brain fog. I'm way into the nutritional side. But that's every, everything that I've talked about is done before 7 a.m. so that now... If my spouse, if my children, if my business colleagues, if my business needs me, 
I'm ready to go for the rest of the day and I'm never diverted because I've taken care of me first so that I'm in the mindset and heart set to take care of everybody else no matter what they ask. That is such a beautiful way to put it. I practice the miracle morning every mm. day, every morning, which yeah. is very similar to what you do. Yeah. And I'm very protective of that time. And I totally 100% agree with you. Okay, final question. Yeah. Well, next to final question. If your life's work was being summarized in a news article, what would the headline be? Making sure everybody leaves me saying, I like me best when I'm with you. I want to see you again. I want to make sure everybody leaves in a higher, better place than they were when we, we met, whatever that takes. And the only place from which a person can grow is where he or she is. So we have to be willing to go where they are physically and emotionally. Only there can we gently invite them to trust us. Only there can we gently invite them to improve and grow. Not because we expect it, but because they demand it of themselves. So the, the goal, you know, today walking through the airport, I had three people compliment me. I picked up two pieces of trash when I was on my way to the gate that I didn't drop. Mm. And when I finally got to the gate, this guy goes, hey, I, I, I saw you pick up that trash. That was really cool. I didn't do it because I thought somebody was watching me. It's because of the mindset of service before self. When we can walk past someone who is homeless and not call them a homeless person, but talk, but call them someone who's hit hard times, and we've been there at some point in our lives, not to that degree. Suddenly we put a face and a name to them and they're human and they're the same God who made them made me too. And we stop judging them as, ah, oh, they're mentally ill. Why don't you go get a job or you're just gonna go buy more alcohol or drugs. And I give them a buck, I give them a quarter, whatever I have in my pocket. And if I have five bucks or 10 bucks, what am I gonna do? Hey, can you give me $4 back? <laughs> no, that ain't gonna happen. But it's not for them. Right. It's for me, it changes my mindset and if it slaps me around, I have no right to judge anyone. I, I better keep getting up and going again and just doing whatever I can do to make sure that at the end of the day, it's a revenue day that I've, I've done everything I can possibly do, know how to do to make the world better. How do people find you? Um, you stalk me and then you... Uh, <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it works for me. <laughs> my, my website's danclark.com. Okay. And uh, I want you to join my free Facebook group. That would be a great way to keep in touch. So I'm definitely going to do that. I'm not yeah. on Facebook that often. It's called, but... it's called Speak Like a Pro by Dan Clark. Uh, you can uh, watch my videos on Instagram, Instagram and Facebook at Dan Clark Speak, just S-P-E-A-K. Okay. Dan Clark Speak. And uh, my podcast, Power Players with Dan Clark, I've had some great guests on my podcast, just like as, as you have. And... I think that's a way for us to share the message and please, you know, follow me. I, you know, I only have 11 international friends and I'd like to you know, feel <laughs> like I'm a little bit more popular. <laughs> this has been absolutely amazing. I'm so glad we made this work at the last yes, minute, but I just have one last thing to say to you, Dan. Yes, please. No, I, I, I will not marry you because <laughs> you're in love with this pilot, <laughs> but we have that in common too. I love to fly. Okay. What's the question? It's actually a statement. Uh-oh. You are a VIP. You're so fun, and I will cheers to that. And I love you. I send honor and respect and admiration at the highest level. You're just one of my favorite people on the planet. And if you add up all the collective minutes that we've actually spent together, just face-to-face, heart-to-heart, belly-to-belly, it's only been, you know, maybe a couple hours max, yeah. but look at it. It's just natural and it's it's so more so amazing. Thank you so much. I, I take great pride in calling you my friend. Thank you. Same. <laughs> and that's a wrap for today. 
Join us next week here on the We Are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. To find out more, log on to wearevip.com.